This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It's been a while since we've done this one, but I think when a five-star commits to the Miami Hurricanes, that kind of warrants an unofficial emergency podcast. So second taping of the day. Uh, last podcast, we talked about Miami improving that blue chip ratio, and uh, they did it. James Williams, the five-star safety out of American Heritage Plantation. He kind of shocks the entire recruiting world, announces out of nowhere that he um, intends to play for the Miami Hurricanes and stay home. David, uh, your reaction? Because I think you probably initially thought this was like a joke. I mean, I did. Um, but this is massive for Miami. Yeah, so, you know, I saw the tweets from Manny Diaz and, you know, various other Miami Hurricanes football people. And my mind went to other, you know, possible commitments. You know, maybe Devon Wilson is, is going to come to Miami. Maybe Brashard Smith is going to, you know, committed to Miami. Never crossed my mind until I saw James Williams post that he was committing to Miami. I know Andrew, like you rarely ever are surprised by commitment. You, you know, 99.9% of the time, you know, it's coming uh, when it happens. That wasn't necessarily the case with this oh. one. How, how surprised were you? Um, shocked. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like normally I have some type of general in indicator that it's going to happen, but um, I really, I really didn't know. Uh, you got to give credit for Miami for keeping it under the wraps. Um, but look, this is, this is kind of uh, crazy to think about that given how things went for Miami last season, going six and seven, losing to FIU. Like, I mean, honestly, uh, tonight I was like writing this story for uh, the national side of things about uh, Butch Davis and his win over, Miami and what that did for recruiting. And then all of a sudden uh, this comes across my timeline. So I have to sh shift narratives in my head, but I mean, man, like this is, you know, we, we thought Miami had a chance with James Williams, but you knew it was going to be a literal dog fight. Um, and then when reports surfaced this past weekend that he was in Athens, it was like, okay, I, I, I mean, like, is this really, I mean, how much of a chance does Miami have? And then, bam, out of nowhere, um, he informs Manny Diaz. His mom informs Kirby Smart, uh, and he's committed to Miami. 
um, for the second time. And, and now Miami's in line to sign its highest ranked recruit since uh, the 28 or since the 2008 cycle when it was Marcus Forston and, and Arthur Brown. Um, mm-hmm. So this is this is massive and um, I mean a- absolutely shocking. Do you think? So he was in Georgia over the weekend, right? Um, do you think that, I mean, obviously, I, I guess it's fair to assume maybe he realized he just wanted to be close to home after making that trip? I think so. And I think it's more of he just feels the most comfortable with um, the folks in at Miami. Like, I looked through his... Twitter timeline tonight, you know, Miami wasn't the first school to offer him a scholarship, but they offered back in January of 2018, which is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have developed and who's they, I mean, it's Manny Diaz and Ephraim Banda that they've developed that relationship. And I think that was a difference in the end. And I also have been circling back in my head to, when um, Manny Diaz was first hired, we, we, we talked about would he work at Miami? Like that was one of the big things. And I thought he had a chance um, because I thought he would get personally involved in recruiting like we hadn't seen from a Miami head coach before. And like, look, Manny Diaz is the secondary recruiter on this recruitment. Like he absolutely played a major role in this whole thing. And um, I, I cannot remember listing a, a head coach as a primary or a secondary recruiter on a, a, someone's profile. So uh, I think all the credit goes to Miami staff and not just those two. I mean, you know, Mike Rump, he's obviously plugged in very well at American Heritage. Um, and, and DeMarcus Van Dyke, from what I've heard, is so involved as well. Um, just just kind of just crazy to me that this is kind of where we are. Um, but this is like the biggest dream off season ever. Like how does Manny keep one upping himself? I'm really, he, he's running out of scholarships. <laughs> right. Um, it, this is, it, it goes without saying, I guess you've been on the beat. What for three, four cycles. I forget exactly, but this is by far the biggest recruit that Miami's landed since you've been on the beat. Correct. Yeah, for sure. What, what you've seen him in, in multiple settings. What, what's a memory or, or a play that stands out about James? Uh, you know, when you think about him as a player, um, just like freaky big, uh, what was it like paradise camp last year when he was battling with Darnell Washington, yeah. that, that'll always stick out. Didn't I was going to he... bring that up. He was like Darnell won the battles against James Williams, but Darnell, like against every other dude in those one-on-ones that, that Darnell Washington went up against, who was a five-star tight end ended up at Georgia, but he's a monster. He's six foot eight to Right. Yeah. Right. So he's just shrugging off all these corners and DBs all day long. James Williams, he couldn't shrug off. He did make an athletic you know, kind of back shoulder-ish type catch against James Williams in coverage where, you know, Williams's coverage was fine. It was just a nice adjust, adjustment by Darnell Washington. And you're right. I was going to bring that up myself when, you know, when I think of James, James Williams, I think of that 
Paradise Camp performance where <laughs> he kind of held his own against Darnell Washington when no one else could that day. Did he was was it that or was it a seven on seven tournament a, a few weeks prior when he picked off a pass <laughs> and punted it into the rafters of the IPF yeah. and like got yelled at by Manny Diaz? Well, that's his signature thing. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I haven't seen it. There haven't been really seven ons this off season, but last off season, you know, whenever you saw James Williams at a seven on, he would intercept a ball and immediately punt it. Uh, and he actually did that. <laughs> he did that at a Miami camp. And, you know, that did not go over well with Manny Diaz. <laughs> Whereas, you know, at seven on seven, events that type of behavior is is you know tolerated it's it's fun and light and fine but uh, at, at a real camp it was a no-go another uh moment that sticks out for me i'll give you two of them i remember the first time i ever heard about james williams it was like florida fire tryouts uh i don't know must have been two or three years ago and james was like on the U15 team and he was by far the biggest kid on the field. I'm like, this guy is like, uh, he yeah. just stuck out. And then he played in a tournament with them. And I remember walking over and I was like, where's James? They're like, what do you mean? Where's James? Like, you, you can't see who he is. Um, what, one other, one other one, uh, preseason referee scrimmage last year. Um, they played Monarch. I remember, like the quarterback threw a, a duck of a pass. He came across the field, picked it off. And as soon as he picked it off, you knew he was going to find the end zone. Like it was just like, all right, this is, this is, this is six. Um, he is a ridiculous athlete for his size. Um, you know, it is, we'll, we'll get into this, but like, is he going to be a rangy safety? I'd probably say no, but you know, for his size, he is very agile uh, he, he moves well in space. Last year, he had six interceptions, um, and, and he played some offense, too. If you watch his highlight, he, he makes some, you know, fairly nice 50-50 touchdown catches uh, in traffic on offense. Um, how, how do you view him, you know, if you're projecting him into UM's defense? How, <sighs> what What position do you view him as? This is like... Oh, like always, I feel it's deja vu. We always talk about like Miami's just going positionless defense. This is exactly what they well, need yeah. to do. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's eventually uh, an in the box type of player. I, you know, yeah. the hot comp everyone wants to throw out is Isaiah Simmons. Like that is what everyone's in love with. That is what it, Barton Simmons has used on the two, four, seven profile. Like, okay, I, I think it works. I, I would say Isaiah Simmons probably a way more explosive athlete coming out of high school. Um, like I'm not sure James Williams is going to go rip a four or five on the lasers at the NFL combine or, or what was it like a four, four, nine for Isaiah Simmons. I, I think maybe he's, I, I would, the comp I've used Ray Ray Armstrong, I think yeah, it works. That's the one. Yeah. You know, uh, Taylor Mays has been thrown out there before. Like, I think he's a guy you just, you know, is he going to be a defensive end? I'm not in that camp because I don't think he is, uh, yeah, physical enough to work the edge, but I do think he can be in the box. Um, yeah. So, like, I mean, w w where would you kind of slot him? Like, I think he's just going to be, like, Miami at some point will have one linebacker on the field, two defensive ends, two defensive linemen, and then everyone else will just be, like, a defensive right. back. 
Yes, I agree with that. I mean, he, he'll be an in-the-box slash striker type guy. Um, yeah, I think, in my opinion, he reminds me of Ray Ray Armstrong a lot. Um, you know, I saw Ray Ray a ton in high school. And Ray Ray, probably a thinner frame than uh, James, but similar similar height, uh, similar size. I think, you know, Ray Ray really fought against playing linebacker when he got to Miami. And he, he really just wanted to only play safety. And he struggled, you know, in that role at Miami. Once he had to move on to the NFL level, you know, the NFL kind of let him know that, hey, you're going to be a linebacker if you want to play at this level. So he played linebacker you know, at the NFL for, for a handful of years. And, uh, you know, I, I, James Williams doesn't want to be told he's going to be a linebacker. I get that. Um, I, I would say he, you know, we, we, we know how high school guys, their bodies continue to grow and mature and progress, especially when they get into a college level strength and conditioning program and they start, eating on that college level meal plan, right? It, that weight gain is just going to happen. So I, I would view him as that athletic striker or in the box safety. Like you mentioned, you know, Miami's going to have four defensive linemen. Then they're going to probably play like <laughs> three or four strikers and then just corners, you know? Um, it's it's going to be like uh, Tyreek Austin Cave and like Sam yeah. Brooks slash Avery Huff and like – I mean, it's a lot of options. And this is exactly what they want, though. Like, they want versatility. That's the name of the game on defense with these spread offenses because spread offenses are bringing versatility on that side of the ball. So how do you defend that? You got to have defensive guys that are versatile. And, you know, I think James Williams is a Swiss Army knife as a player, uh, a lot of upside, and certainly fits that, that billing. Can we mention like how important um paradise camps are? Like yeah. J- James Williams is a two-time paradise camp participant. Right. So like I-, I guess last summer we knew it was a big deal he was there. But like those camps, man, <laughs> yes. that is the bulk of Miami's recruiting classes and those guys worked out like Avant like go back to last year's paradise camp now that we take a step back and it's like dude there there were so yeah. many guys there yeah and you know it's it's uh especially during this time this you know pandemic time when no one's able to have camps uh Miami was is able to get all these young local guys that end up being four and five star guys into these camps and you know, they actually know who they are when they're at the camp. So they, they know what they're evaluating. That's a huge leg up and they know who to turn the heat up on, who not to. And, you know, it's all say what you want. I mean, they're definitely recruiting at a very high level. They're taking advantage of this current time, uh, which, you know, there is some circumstances that's helping Miami on the recruiting trail. Let's be real too. Um, But yeah, I mean, paradise camp, (laughs) It's ridiculous. Like, I think we, you know, you and me and people who cover it get caught up in, okay, who are the rising seniors? 
uh, that, that are participating. And maybe the recent ones haven't been as loaded with rising seniors as they were, as the first one was, which was just ridiculous in that regard. But it's, it's proven that this Paradise Camp is loaded with underclass talent. And, you know, you follow that stuff way more closely than I do. I don't, you know, trying to know who underclassmen are make my head spin. But those guys do turn out to be ballers. And Miami certainly knows who they are when they're at the camp. And it's definitely giving them a leg up on the recruiting trail, this cycle in particular. Um, it seems like this commitment has sounded the uh, national sports writer alarm that like <laughs> COVID-19 is good for Miami recruiting efforts. I've seen a number of national writers point out now that Miami has 16 of 19 commits from South Florida. What, what they were failing to realize is that two of the other ones that aren't from South Florida were actually born in South Florida. So um, if they did their research, they would really know, but uh it, like, are we going to see more stories on this? Like, is this going to be like, as I think it will be. Well, sure. But remember who's, who brought this up when <laughs> back in March, right? This podcast was bringing up how, you know, look, no one wants to see a pandemic. Of course, you know, not a good thing overall, but honestly, this could be a good thing for Miami's recruiting efforts because it makes it tough for the SEC to come to South Florida and raid the town. Um, now, I don't think we should undermine the recruiting efforts of Miami. There's no doubt that they have put the work in and they have made the most of this situation. I, I do believe that, you know, this time has separated the boys from the men in recruiting. And either you're going to be up, up for the challenge or you're, or you're not. And Manny Diaz and his staff have been up for the challenge. They've taken advantage of you know, the circumstances and it's starting to show they got, you know, since June, who's been a hotter recruiting team than Miami right now, maybe Alabama. Uh, yeah. No. In the mix. Um, I also think it should be mentioned that, uh, you know, it's not just uh, out at Georgia who, who Miami beat, like James Williams had everyone. Yeah. You know, there was Clemson, like Brent Venables was in there at some point. I mean, maybe he wasn't going to be a fit in, in in the locker room there or whatever. Alabama was linked to him. He visited Auburn a bunch of time, LSU, Ohio State. It's not like Miami just beat Georgia, and I think that should be pointed out. No doubt. Also, too, you know, you mentioned the, the sports writer reaction on social media. One thing that stood out to me, you know, when you land a guy of this magnitude, like, I, I do think there's something to ballers recognize ballers, right? So when James Williams committed, you had guys on Miami's team that will probably not play with James Williams uh, because they'll be gone into the NFL who, you know, tweeted, wow, this, that's a big deal because they had seen him at Paradise Camps. They were impressed by him. They know he's a big deal. You know, fellow recruits in South Florida were all, you know, tweeting mind-blown emojis, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we, we mentioned how momentum matters in recruiting, perception matters in recruiting, um, and landing a, a baller like James Williams certainly helps on those fronts for Miami. 
Um, where did I want to go here? I had another good talking point. Uh, I'm drawn blank because I was how texting, about, texting Gabby. You mentioned how, you know, Miami didn't just beat Georgia, but for James Williams. But I mean, Miami is on a run. I keep writing this after like every commitment lately. Miami is going toe to toe with the SEC this summer and winning all these battles. And the point with that is look, the SEC does recruit at the level that is needed to win championships. If you're going to win championships or compete for championships, you have to beat the SEC for some recruits. Miami's doing that. Um, you know, Romello Brinson. Miami beat Georgia for four-star wide receiver Romello Brinson out of Miami Northwestern. They beat Auburn for four-star safety Cam Kitchens. Um, you know, I think that's as telling as well. Like, yeah, James Williams is a top 10 recruit. That's a big deal too. But also I think it matters, like, who is Miami beating recruits for? You can also get an idea the type of work they're doing with that and, you know, beating Georgia is always a big deal on the recruiting trail lately. I, I was texting Barton Simmons after this all went down. Um, first off, he was like, wait, did that really happen? Like I, I asked him for a quote and he's like, did that happen? I'm like, yeah, it did. And yeah. Uh, then he brought up this. He's like, We're, we've been kind of waiting to see if some team is going to be able to fend off the Clemsons, the, the Georgias, the Alabamas and Ohio States and keep some of these kids in state. And I mean, this is like, I guess one uh, one situation you, you could count Romello Brinson as well, where you know Miami's actually kind of doing it, and yes. like you know, like Florida State wasn't anywhere involved in this recruitment, um, and you know, Florida's I think is doing a great job recruiting it in the Sunshine State. Like I, I don't think they're ever really in it with James Williams, but I mean, I think it says a lot just that Miami was able to do that. Yeah, and, and we'll see if they can keep the momentum going, right? So they got another five-star on deck due to announce August 6th in defensive tackle Leonard Taylor, who's out of Miami Palmetto. And, you know, look, if, if Miami's able to pull that off, we, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. If, if Miami pulls that off, then they can turn, you know, a ton of their attention towards Jake Garcia and say, look, Jake, we got a nice group for you to come in with uh, if you want to join this class and, and be the uh, jewel of the offensive side of our, of our recruiting class, you know, jump on board. I, I think that's going to be a compelling argument to make to a guy like Jake Garcia, uh, who's currently committed to USC top 50 quarterback in the country. Um, you can kind of see, you know, where things are going if you want to read the tea leaves, and they look pretty good for Miami right now in the recruiting trail. Um, do you think think it's a little weird that like Miami lands this monster commitment and it only moves up one spot in the yeah. recruiting rankings? I know. I went to go look. I'm like, oh man, they're going to be back in the top ten, and they're not. They they just moved from twelfth to eleventh. But they're closing the gap on Florida. Florida's at 10th, and they're like, what, a point behind them? Yeah, I just – I thought that was – I thought the same too. But, you know, 
if they get Leonard Taylor, they'll most likely be in the top ten. Um, I guess, and this could be a whole other podcast, if you had to like rank this, this moment in the offseason, where does this kind of stack up? And I think what would be a fun story is just kind of trying to rank everything that's happened this offseason and what's the most important. So if someone steals that idea that generated on this podcast. That is a good idea. I might try and steal that. Um, honestly, so for me, the number one would be, I don't know which one I would put number one, but it'd be either number one or number two, Derek King and Rhett Lashley, right? I personally would probably put Derek King number one, but you could, you could make the argument you don't get Derek King without Rhett Lashley. So there's certainly an argument for making Rhett Lashley number one. Um, you know, honestly, too, I think Ed Reed, you know, people don't really uh, want to give Ed Reed's position much credence, right? But I do think just having him affiliated with the program in some way has given Manny Diaz credibility, right? And, you know, I'm not saying Ed Reed's a reason why they're, they're recruiting at a really high level, but I do think it matters somewhat. Um, you know, having Ed, Ed Reed be able to coach up Avante Williams, having Ed Reed be able to coach up a little bit here and there or be a mentor, whatever you want to call it. James Williams, I mean, that's a plus for Miami. But yeah, I mean, right after that, I mean, James Williams is right there. I mean, but there's been a lot of wins. Like Isaiah Walker is a huge win, I think, for Miami because he represents a left tackle of the future. Uh, you know, Jared Williams landing him. I mean, <laughs> it's really hard to rank it. I don't know. I know. Where, where would you put James Williams? Would you rank him ahead of uh, Derek King and Rhett Lashley? No, no, no. I mean – I think he's probably the most significant, um, like on the recruiting front. Recruiting win, yes. Um, but maybe you could also make the case that like Avante Williams is a little bit bigger just because Avante's signed, sealed, and delivered. But it, it's certainly up there. I mean, I think it's a top 10 moment or maybe top five moment of the offseason. Uh, but there's been so many different things. Like, you know, you just start – kind of playing them out in your head and you're like, wait, that happened. No, wait, that happened as well. Um, Tell me this and be honest. I don't think, you know, up to this point, you know, Manny Diaz isn't necessarily thought of as being a great recruiter. And, you know, frankly, when he was a defensive coordinator, you know, he probably wasn't a great recruiter. He was a good recruiter, right? Should Number one, should he be thought of as a great recruiter now? Number two, do you agree with my assessment that he's, I guess, improved as a recruiter, as a head coach, compared to when he was a defensive coordinator? Well, when I, like I said earlier on the podcast, when, when Manny was hired, I was thought optimistically for Miami because I thought he would be a head coach that would get involved in the recruiting. Early returns, I was a little... Right. I don't know. Like I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I think him getting James Williams and being as involved as he was and it is certainly promising. And I think maybe the fact that this has just been like some shutdown and all he's been able to do is recruit has helped. 
Now right. let's just see if that carries forward to whenever the world returns to normal, whenever that is. Um, I think he might maybe underrated recruiter would be a way to kind of phrase it. Right. But maybe now he's going to start getting recognition in that regard, you know, and look, recruiting is something where, okay, you got to show us we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. Um, okay. Well, let me ask you this. Like, does, does this commitment like take pressure off Manny in terms of like, just kind of, you know what I'm saying? Obviously it's after all, everything else that has happened, but like, this was like a, 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 a monster win, like national perception. Like this is the equivalent I think of winning a football game. I think it, I think it, I think this off season in general has taken pressure off Manny but with that being said, he still has to go out and win, right? Like nothing, nothing can undo that. Like I still, like if I'm Manny Diaz, I am still approaching this season, you know, whenever they do resume football on the field as if my job is on the line uh, this season, right? So, And I will point out, I, I did talk to a staff member tonight and I was like, this is monster, you know, guys are probably going to, you guys are going to be wishing you had more scholarships and they fired back right away. Like, yeah, this is great, but we got to win. Um, right. So, so they I got to keep James Williams too. Like, you know, let's be real. Like George is probably not going to stop recruiting him. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's certainly a good, it's very good sign that he committed publicly uh, to Miami, but it ain't over till he signs on the dotted line. In recruiting. I'll yeah. say this. I think your larger point, though, is fair and correct in that when you think about the overall vibe of the program after that Independence Bowl loss to Louisiana Tech, right? Like, for me, it was as low as anything I'd experienced at Miami. Like, you know, it wasn't worse than the terrible loss to Virginia in the last game of the Orange Bowl. It wasn't worse than getting blown out by Clemson uh, in Al Golden's last game, but it was close. I mean, the thing that made it so startling was that Manny Diaz lost all his goodwill in one season, right? So it was on, on that level of those disasters in one season. And so the fact that he has totally kind of changed the vibe and, you know, positivity around the program with these tremendous off-season moves. Granted, it's the off-season. I totally get it. You could argue he won the off-season last year too. Um, but look, the off-season does matter because it should translate into the season. Um, we'll see if that's the case this year, but – I think your larger point of, look, Manny Diaz has changed the overall trajectory of the program in one off season. Yes, I agree with that. Just wild. All right, let's, let's wrap this up. Miami at 19 commitments. <laughs> we think the number is 24, like five spots left. This is, <laughs> we'll see. This is going to be wild. Like, and, and a guy in the portal they could go after. Um, yeah. It's, How many... How many message board threads are you going to get asked about uh, what's the calendar and 
and how many spots are left and who's going to get dropped and all this stuff <laughs> between now and early signing day over under a hundred threads on those questions. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is true. It is the story though with Miami's recruiting now because yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not making, putting anyone down. I mean, no, like I don't, I, I just don't foresee. It's just them. hard to answer. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's a lot of unknowns and quite frankly, Miami can, you know, work with the numbers. So there's that too. It's just a lot of gray area. But anyway. Yeah. Well, your your favorite roster management podcast will be here to cover it the entire way. All right, let's get out of here. We'll talk to you guys later. Take care, guys. Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.